0: High Nights!
1: Well met and welcome, you travelers, to High Nights. My name is Ross, your resident Game Master, and I am joined by Dakota, my best friend and player main. Together we strive to improve your tabletop experience with fresh new ideas and plenty of crazy details. To raise more banners in the High Nights name, remember to subscribe and follow us on your podcasting platform. We are available on Spotify, Apple, Google, and Amazon platforms. You can also visit us at highnightspodcast.com. That's Nights with a K. Wherever you find us, let's muster some more fans for the cause. Thanks again for listening, and now here's what you've all been waiting for. And now, Dakota, I've finally trapped you. You're hanging over a boiling pit of lava, and I'm going to destroy everything that you love. And what's your last words, you filthy hero? Martha.
0: <laughs> Martha! Martha! <laughs> if DC's taught me anything. <laughs> right, you got me. All
1: right, welcome back to High Nights. It is Ross and Dakota once again, and uh, we had a thunderstorm throw us off of our original day for recording, so now we're just kind of throwing it into the saddle. We're gonna try and talk about villains today.
0: Reasons for why they're doing what they're doing and whatnot.
1: Yeah, exactly. So let's see uh, Do we want to just like start creating
0: a villain right off the bat? I guess the question are we making Unique villain for any campaign or specifically for ours?
1: Yeah, that's a good idea. So, um, we can go over the core values of things that you should do when you're making your first villain for your campaign and then we can just kind of jump off of that once we get a few core ideas out. For anyone who's trying to write their first Dungeons and Dragons campaign, they need to have some sort of villain, like some sort of conviction behind the bad guy big bad evil guy has to have a reason to try and trash the rest of the players you know
0: he's the biggest motivation for the characters to not railroad you if he's not interesting and he doesn't have cool convictions then they're gonna easily get sidetracked and not go back onto the main store right correct
1: like you don't want your players to ignore the villain so this villain has to stand out and have a reason as to why you're gonna go take him out you know I've had a dragon be a villain in the past, uh, lich is really common as a villain, um, I know I kinda wrote it as a side mini-boss, but Azrakar, which was the first, uh, lich I crafted for you, was-
0: Azrakar was really cool.
1: I'm glad you liked him, thank you. Azrakar was really cool, he was just like a side stop along the way. Oh yeah, the original villain that was for that campaign was, uh, the Emperor, yes. Emperor. So... For a game that I DM'd for Cody a while ago, the overarching plotline was that history was a lie and that a secret cult of vampires took over the royalty through a religious faction. And then there was this God King Emperor who was basically Giving the party instructions and orders of what to do to begin with, until Dakota and the rest of his party found out that all of the people that he was sent to quest around—they were being suppressed by the empire themselves. Like the werewolf tribe, that were—they yeah. were like third-class citizens, and you decided to stand huts. against that. Yeah. yeah. So, like, that was a long ways away, and I know that we didn't really finish that campaign, but um, that was the first original reason why you were supposed to be like, fuck that guy, he's terrible, because there's a lot of people suffering underneath his rule. A person in power is what I used as my first generic evil bad guy.
0: Well, that's cool, too, because it comes with a reason for him to have so many loyal underlings, too, you know? Yes. He just doesn't have them because oh yeah he's a king and it's even cooler because then you're do you just kill everybody you're fighting like they're (laughs) not really the enemy he is right
1: yeah that's like um that's like a moral dilemma it is a moral dilemma and that brings together two core ideas that we're trying to illustrate for what your villain should be they have to be rich and powerful they don't have to be i'm just using this as an example of like a rich and powerful bad guy is often in a position to influence the world around you, which is why I used a monarchy to illustrate how my bad guy originally worked.
0: I think that those are actually one of my favorite tropes is uh, when your enemy is imposing and obviously he's hard to fight, he's a strong enemy. But also he uses politics of the land and makes you out to be the bad guy. That just spices up the entire game because now you have to play around that no matter where you are.
1: Yeah! Like, Scar was the rebel. Yeah, Yeah. like Scar was the champion of the (laughs) Underclaw. That's what he was. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's the whole, um, you know, like the big saga type deal where you are part of the rebel army in Star Wars and you're fighting the Great Empire. Like, it's a classic trope and don't be afraid to use it in your games because that's how you get a story rolling. You don't have to be completely original and you'll make something original along the way as you go. Like with that lich I was mentioning, Azarkar, uh my main template or my idea was like, what if I had a six armed monk be the bad guy, you know? I think monks as a class are really cool to Was he supposed to, you?
0: to be a monk, like a fighting class? That was what his class was uh, gonna be. He was going to be I a I didn't even monk, know. He was a monk wizard hybrid. Cause I kind of tricked him into not using magic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that's why and he he still had, kicked my ass. I thought I had the upper hand. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this guy, no magic. He said, yes, you know, easy. <laughs> he almost one-shotted me every round of
1: Right, exactly. That, <laughs> that was crazy just because um, you're a young up-and-coming half-orc paladin trying to realize what true justice is in the world, and then you're fighting this ancient evil, a great noble. This is Azrakar's backstory, but he was a noble who was obsessed with immortality to the point where after he did the lich ritual and became an undead, he wasn't satisfied with that enough, and he realized that um, he could find this golden ichor like this strange golden liquid that was used in a vampirism ritual and he started to douse himself in that so he was like double immortal after all of this happened double immortality <laughs> He stacked he was so stacked like his whole idea was um, some w-
0: wukong over here right like triple uh, immortality
1: i wanted to make him a villain that had his own like philosophy he was following which was azrakar is eternal and when i introduced him to you he starts out as like a, a brawny almost bare-chested human, and then like all the flesh peeled away around him to reveal his real lich form underneath,
0: you know? What well, the cool thing about him, too, was uh, you unravel a lot of his backstory and lore, you know, leading up to the confrontation. This right. was a minor. It wasn't the main villain bad guy or anything.
1: It wasn't the main villain. It but, was a side stop because they stumbled upon his ruins and they found through digging up history that uh, this Duke had created. He basically blew up an entire mountain yeah. because he was trying to tax people from traveling through the land. And there were a bunch of insurrectionists who managed to tunnel and move around his property until he finally said fuck it and he just started killing people and then reanimating them for his own needs.
0: It's a cool recipe for a a villain, though. You start learning about the backstory and the the atrocities that he did, like killing his family and stuff and getting all this stuff to get where he is now. You know, he's a bad guy. Mm -hmm. But then when you meet him, he's still a villain and you're still fighting, but you kind of like him. Like, he's very charismatic. Yes. Like, he's a cool guy, even though he's trying to kill you. Let's say for a big bad evil guy, he keeps dipping. Yes. Like, he's (laughs) likable. Like... You can't side with him. The dude's a total monster. Right. And he's actively trying to kill you. But he's <laughs> not like a gross, like, I hate you. You know, you murdered my family personally. No. No. He's just kind of (laughs) cool. Yeah. (laughs) Villains have to be cool. That's another thing.
1: Yeah, you came up with a few more ports, which is cool, charismatic, ambitious. Oh, yeah, with Azrakar, I think my original idea was that the ritual he did to become a lich, he actually had to have a child with his enemy. So he had a concubine who was a dwarf because there were dwarves he hated dwarves he was a big racist towards dwarves and uh this lich had a half dwarf child and then used that child's life and blood to complete the ritual because, because the dude was he not had, a good guy yeah part of he was not a good guy
0: <laughs> he, yeah baby murder the mutilation of zombies and stuff yes but he was cool but like, he was cool like if i didn't know anything about him i'd probably get a beer with the guy <laughs> if
1: he showed up incognito mode
0: oh yeah look reoccurring character (laughs) what if that's how you met him he's just a cool NPC at the beginning that's helping you wait so you like him dude let's (laughs) do this
1: let's do this i have two ideas rolling this idea you mentioned and then my idea so here's the idea you know how in any sort of fantasy game like skyrim where you can just run into a shop some purveyor of goods some merchant you just run into their shop and because they're a weak little merchant they don't really know what to do whenever you start to misbehave or if you threaten them or you steal their shit, you know. There's probably just some unassuming merchant that you meet in one of your beginning towns. And if your players are douchebags and start to bully and berate and steal from this guy, this merchant is going to have some budding vengeance inside their heart. And it's this a snowball s-
0: effect. A snowball effect. Well, you could even take it one step further and put them in a compromising situation where they. They have to make a wrong decision. Kind of like, again, if we're doing the Skyrim thing, uh, the Dark (laughs) Brotherhood quest where it's like, just kill one of these people. Right. You don't know anything about them. You can question them, but you still have to choose one to die. Yes. Something like that. It doesn't have to be murder, but you know, uh, a lose-lose situation for a greedy purpose. Okay. You know, to finish the quest or whatever. Right. And then have repercussions from that action throughout the rest of the game. Like that girl's husband or something wants vengeance, you know, he becomes the big bad evil guy.
1: Absolutely. Or maybe
0: one of the survivors you know, for some reason.
1: Oh yeah, like uh, if your party gets reckless and they just decide, oh, fireball's the best spell in the world, let's use it in the middle of town. You know, you need to punish that kind of action because you're endangering the lives of innocents. So from the perspective of these nobody peasants, you're walking through town, there's some monsters that erupt from a nearby building, but then someone just shoots a fireball directly into town. I would hate those adventurers for the rest of my life because some of my loved ones would have probably been injured or killed in the fire.
0: Well, yeah, because, like, imagine if your your daughter dies, like your your five-year-old kid because of that fireball. And they're like, well, it could have been worse. We saved the day, got rid of the monster. But the monster's not what killed your daughter, you know? That adventurer is what killed your daughter. It's pretty clear-cut, you know? Even if she was already in danger, he has a reason to dislike the party now. They have to have a reason to dislike the party. And that's kinda why I went with this
1: shopkeeper idea, is that you gotta pick someone who has some agency. Like, a poor fisherman or a farmer probably won't be able to get the power to fight back against the party in a short enough amount of time. Let's say that there's this merchant who gets his shit kicked in, or the party has to screw him over in some way. Maybe they're sent on a mission by the Thieves Guild to shake down a guy, and then you, like, Threaten this merchant's daughter, put her life in peril just because your rogue really A heist wasn't... gone wrong. A heist
0: yeah. gone wrong. Like yes. Somebody woke up and challenges you, and now you have to fight. Right. But he put you in a position, yes. but it's your fault in the first place, you know? So whoever survives in the house. Oh, yeah. You know, you just killed my dad. You start this off with a magic item heist. I mean, you send your party
1: into this heist where they're trying to steal magic items from a merchant somewhere uptown, but then they screw up along the way. Merchant wakes up and then you're thrown into a situation where you either have to fight or you threaten a loved one of the merchant, you know? It's gonna be a meltdown and your players will probably get away, but that merchant is going to remember those people who fucked with him. And imagine if you're a merchant of magic items, the power you have, the connections of the people you talk to to get magic items, you're not talking to just heroes, you know? I think some magic item merchant might have the ability to turn into a big bad evil guy because what if he's like an artificer? And he's just so good at crafting magic items and, like, finding magic items. He learns better and better recipes. And then every time you fight this guy, he can handle a whole party because he's decked out in magic items. Yeah.
0: I kind of like the idea of the big bad evil guy, this threatening, imposing, charismatic force of nature. Right. Was just a nobody. Kind of like, you know, the Joker from Batman. His famous quote is, uh, it just takes one bad day to turn you into a monster. Just one more bad day that you can't take is the difference between a normal life and you becoming a murderer. Gotcha. That kind of idea. Like, he's just a normal guy, has a normal family, doesn't have crazy ambition at first, but then the death of a loved one, or maybe you stole the wrong magic item. Maybe he was in debt and needed to get rid of that item for his family or something. Oh
1: yeah, right. Just
0: that last straw is what tipped him over the edge in his life.
1: Yes, exactly. So now he's
0: got all these decked out magic items and he's coming at you. Like, uh, dude, this is like a medieval uh, Iron Man. He's a medieval (laughs) Iron Man. Oh, dude. There you go.
1: Yes, I'm writing this down. Medieval (laughs) Iron Man for the win.
0: That'd be sick as hell.
1: Yes. And this guy, like, he's going to be basically he starts out as a nobody. The only good thing about him is that he's a merchant. He knows how to buy and sell stuff. I think but it'd be
0: cool if he was a good guy, dude. I wanna law to be a abiding good guy. citizen. Yeah. You know, not doing anything. Like the movie Law Abiding Citizen. Just takes one bad day. Look. Wait. Okay. It comes all full circle. It
1: does come full circle. He's gotta have you know how every villain kinda has their own philosophy? Yeah. This guy, I think his philosophy might change to the fact of like Maybe magic doesn't belong with people. Maybe he doesn't trust people who cast magic. What if like only magic items are what should exist? You know, like enchanters and stuff.
0: Yeah, like magic item or maybe magic items corrupt or something. Oh, he's already yeah. corrupted. So now in his corrupted view, you know, <laughs> he's got to cleanse the people that have been exposed or whatever. Yeah,
1: he's like, I'm the only one with the justification to use these items. So yeah, yeah because he becomes like this kingpin of all the magic items that go throughout the kingdom.
0: He basically and that'd be, that's actually a cool idea, too, because now every encounter with this villain, he can be completely different. Wait. He can be kitted out with completely different magic items. Yeah. So like, you're like, he's a big fire guy with resistances. You're like, okay, so you prepare for that. But the next time you fight him, he's not, he's just a brute force tank of a man. Dude. Like he's completely different fighting style every time you fight him.
1: Yeah, like he adapts. So depending on how the party fights him, he's got to upgrade every time that they fight. And then he'll just come in with a new kit to throw you off. I like this guy. I want to call him the man at arms, actually. The man
0: at arms yes. man of arms. Heck Dude, yeah. Man at
1: arms. I've been watching a lot of He-Man lately. <laughs> He-Man is awesome. But, like, the crazy shit that happens in He-Man is the same stuff that you can put into your D&D game. He-Man could easily be a D&D setting he just a
0: Barbarian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's awesome.
1: <laughs> He-Man is a Divine Zealot Barbarian. You can actually build this. Oh, really? Yeah. So there is a subclass for Barbarian called Divine Zealot. And once you get to a certain level, if you would die, you just get resurrected within 24 hours. Yeah. What?
0: <laughs> what? How does that work? That's busted.
1: It is busted. Uh, citation needed. But... There is a divine zealot barbarian that deals some extra radiant damage. They kind of get a lot of recuperation stuff. And once you're a high level divine zealot, you can just resurrect yourself within 24 hours. Imagine it's fucking dawn. The
0: barbarian, the, the hardest hitting guy on the team, just auto resurrects. <laughs> That's pretty busted. He's busted because he He's could Phoenix just... Phoenix man. <laughs> Phoenix person. Phoenix
1: person. <laughs>
0: There you go.
1: Oh, phoenix person. So this magic item man-at-arms. I like him a lot because Basically the bad guy of your game. He's a superhero. He's a super villain in disguise Yeah, so you know, maybe you forget that you fucked this dude over you keep trading items with him So he has two alternate personalities because he might wear Split a helmet
0: personality. He's gotta cool.
1: that's what I'm saying is that by day he is a uh, Jeffrey Stone the uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Stone by day. He is Jeffrey Stone the magic item purveyor and then by night he turns into the man-at-arms
0: That's cool, too, because you can uh, incorporate cool NPCs that the group's going to like a lot, and they can have a unique magical item. Yeah. That item will come back later, but the NPC won't. (laughs) I'm just saying. Oh, right, definitely. This this thief of magic items here. (laughs) And you know how cool it would be if you buy a magic item from him in the shop during the day, and a couple nights later in a different town, you just get bombarded and attacked by (laughs) man-at-arms? because he wants his shit back. Like he's just stealing from people he's selling to. (laughs) If
1: he doesn't like the person who bought from his shop, he just makes a note on the ledger and he's just like, uh, hit them in three days. Well, yeah,
0: imagine if he had his business like ledger, you know, he did a a transaction process, has the name written down. And then at night when he switches uh, to his alter ego, that's the list he's going down to get magic items. (laughs) He wouldn't even know.
1: (laughs) You wouldn't even know, yeah. That would be funny, dude. That would be hilarious. And the only way your party would make the connection is if... You'd have
0: to keep bringing this clerk back up somehow. Right. So they can keep selling to him. I guess if the campaign, you know, they got like a hub that would be easy. That's but what if I'm it's thinking. traveling like Argentis that might be a little trickier. But yeah. So this, it could also be ominous. Like, why is this guy everywhere? That's a good clarification you make
1: there in the sense of this is a hub-centric villain where a lot of their mechanic relies upon you being in the vicinity of a city. Yeah. So, like, within the vicinity of your main town, he's going to be doing these strikes on nearby villages and provinces. But then it all leads back to the town. So it can work. I think that it's a really strong bad guy. Yeah, he's super cool. A lot of fun, too. What kind of uh, magic items would you start him off with? Man, that's a good question.
0: So starting. When is the first altercation planned to take place? Obviously. You know how funny it'd be if session one, you have that random person that tries to fight the shopkeep? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, dude, you're going to have crazy players who do
1: that. You're going to have people who are just like, well, you're newer players who don't really know to respect the game and they're just gonna be like is the shop keep looking? I steal a shit people who are borderline just gonna like bully and harass a nobody, you know
0: Well, do you think he's gonna kick their ass right then and there or is this the weak other half of him?
1: He's got to start weak and so this villains first appearance you might even find them unassuming you know how um You know, from the new Star Wars stuff, there's TR-8R. He's one of these stormtroopers who shows up with a stun baton and he goes
0: TRAITOR! And he clicks it on and
1: goes to fight Finn.
0: His entire backstory today is off screen, but it's the most epic moment in the new Star Wars movie. Yeah, exactly. That's the only part that I
1: love (laughs) from that movie. But the reason I bring it up is because this is an unassuming trooper who stands out. He does have something that stands out about him, but not enough for you to really register or keep as a player the idea is you're
0: trying to slide this character under the radar for your players i mean you know what would be cool is if you as the dm introduce him as a shopkeep that's known to have really powerful magic items but the trick, so they don't suspect anything or try to rob him or something, is that his inventory uh, shuffles dramatically, like every day or something.
1: Every day he's got different items, which yeah, makes that's him why, popular. Well,
0: and that's why when you go there, he doesn't have everything on display, even though he's got a million magic items. Right. He has what he has available today. And if you want anything else, you're gonna have to wait till tomorrow. You have to buy
1: it now, otherwise it could be gone forever.
0: And that's why that's
1: why he's so popular.
0: Yeah, your players are
1: gonna want to go back to him because they're like, he's got really awesome items, and you never know what you're gonna
0: get. Plus, if a player wants something specific. That would be a good way to incorporate it too because he'll be like maybe and then maybe a couple of sessions go by and he's like look i actually do have one of these immovable rods Whoa. or whatever quest idea okay <laughs> so there is a mechanic
1: in dungeons and dragons where if you are looking for a magic item you can pay x amount of gold and then an expert will hunt it down for you and tell you the location of that item okay so what you do is that these players, they're looking for the cloak of the bat. You know, a small, unassuming magic item. They're just kind of learning or trying it out for the first time. They say, uh, Jeffrey Stone, I want the cloak of the bat do you know where it is can you track it down for me and Jeffrey says yeah I maybe if you pass me two thousand gold pieces then we can get talking I'll need a couple weeks to get some Intel on where this item is yeah you know he'll tell them all that and
0: then the players can pay the gold bada-bing bada-boom let him go well you can also have the inverse of that what if he pays for information because he also wants the items so I mean what if, as well, the DM, you just sprinkle in, like, the Cloak of Invisibility is said to be somewhere rare and you just tell him, he gives you 200 gold.
1: Right, and I only told you the first half, because the second half is that, Your players are adventuring, they're exploring. They go into a dungeon and they kind of catch the signs. Oh, the cloak of the bat might be here. Oh no, I paid a bunch of gold to a guy when I didn't really need to. Oh well, let's go get the cloak. They go through the dungeon, it's puzzles, monsters, and then either it's gone or he's grabbing it and heading out of there. And then your players are chasing after this guy going, come back here, you got that item I really want. And then he makes his escape and the players are like shit he really threw us off his
0: track but then eventually when you go back to the guy's shop he has it for sale exactly so that's how you piece it together like wait a minute you're like whoa was that <laughs> you and he's gonna deny it well, heavily he might even not know it was him if he go heavy on the split personality thing
1: yeah exactly. he might
0: actually be truthful like he probably <laughs> thinks he's hiring people to do it
1: if you find some way I assume that this... I I keep saying Jeffrey Stone, it's dumb. But that's his name now. That's his name now. (laughs) But um, I imagine that Jeffrey Stone would have some sort of lie-detecting ring on his finger that would stop people from understanding if he was lying or not, you know? Like he's, oh, I cool. think that he's not actually a split personality. I imagine that he's just a merchant by day,
0: villain by night kind could, of thing. You could even have it as like, he is just an innocent shopkeep and his son is the crazy thief of all the objects. Right. Or something like that. Daughter. I don't know. This guy, I'm imagining him kind of a mixed Maybe he's scared me. of his kid. He's Might scared of his that. kid? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, that kid sounds like a psycho with a million (laughs) magic items. Yeah, I'd be scared of him. Imagine watching your kid sneak in with decked out in magic gear, blood all over him, and he's like, I got your cloak, Dad. (laughs) Oh, you're saying that his kid is the villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be funny. I like that, too. Because, I mean, he's being truthful. He's not doing it, but also he's not going to snitch on his kid. also, his kid is scary. (laughs) <laughs> like
1: his son was the one who was threatened in the botch yeah. of the the thievery that happened a while ago, and then it's changed him forever.
0: He's got a he's got a zuko scar or he, something. Yeah. Like he's got damage.
1: He has a vendetta against adventurers, and his father is the magic item salesman.
0: So that's he's got weird motivation. He's a psycho. Yeah. I like
1: it. I like it too. Oh, what a cool dark villain to have. <laughs> yeah for items when this guy first shows up he's just gonna be like he'll kind of look like either a bandit or a bounty hunter or something like that where he's just kind of like medium armored guy and he's got to have like two different weapons on him a shield and a helmet you know I imagine that uh, one of the magic items this guy would first show up with would be a Helm of Telepathy, so that they can actually start to read into other people's thoughts. That's part of his combat
0: idea, is that- Why gonna- does he know exactly what I'm gonna do, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. He's pairing you perfectly. We just made uh, Moon Knight. Oh, is this Moon Knight? Moon Knight, that's pretty cool. I have to check out Moon Knight. What are Moon Knight's powers? He's basically, he's actually uh, a mix between um, Captain America and Deadpool. Oh, crazy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think he's got a little bit of Spider-Man in there too, but. I'll check him out. I've seen the advertisements, but I've never really bit Red. Right? He's a crazy martial artist guy, but also he's got like unique uh like he can just copy your fighting style.
1: Oh. Now
0: this guy doesn't redo that. But I think the telepathy thing would be a cool idea to explain why he's so good at combat.
1: Yeah, right. So my idea was that with the helm of telepathy, your players are strategizing in front of you. You're seeing the thought process happen as a dungeon master outside of game. So you can just roll behind your desk or you can make people roll saving throws i think it is a saving throw but you just have them roll a saving throw and you don't tell them it's a saving throw and yeah. then your villain gets informed on their strategy if they fail to save yeah that way you can react and actually outplan them and then your player's going to be like that's
0: not fair you're metagaming and you're like wait a second yeah Here's you'll find out more. eventually uh-huh Well, uh, I think he should have like a swift foot boots of some kind. Swift foot boots? (laughs) More (laughs) magic? (laughs) More magic. I don't know what the item would be in D&D, but an increased movement speed to explain how he's always getting away.
1: Okay, yeah. I can see that. He's got fast boots so that he can make a getaway. He's got a helm of telepathy so that he knows what's going to happen. And then he's got to have like... Probably a very interesting weapon, you know, like uh, you could have a mace of fear so that when you slap someone They'll have a chance to start running away from you. I think he's gonna have a mace I mean mace would be cool That's what I'm imagining initially just because this isn't someone who has martial training This is someone whose only connection is I have access to a bunch of magic items and a sword is a martial weapon so like they could use a sword I'm just saying like I think it'd be cool if they just had like a club or a mace or like something else you don't really
0: expect like a bow some and arrow. kind of well I was going to say yeah some kind of close range weapon But it'd be cool if they had like a long range weapon as well. Ring of Firebolt. A Ring of Firebolt. Yeah. I don't know. You know what I mean? Because then it would be like, he's using magic. He's kicking my ass with the mace. Oh, dude. Long range, short range. That's
1: a great way to threaten the spellcasters in your group is that they're going to be like, wow, this guy knows some crazy spells. But it's all spells stored in magic items. So they can just have like an amulet of magic missile and they're firing it out. And you're
0: like, whoa, how is this guy doing all this shit? He's going to be
1: intimidating and the players don't know that he's just decked out with magic items.
0: And then it'd be cool because during this encounter, the first couple, he he messes with you, he hurts you guys really bad, and then he has to escape. So he just uses his magic on the ground or something, creates a dust cloud, dips out of there. And oh, then the yeah. next encounter, he's improved. Like, he's got more specific targets for the people that were giving him a hard time last time. Right. So if the if the wizards or the magic users were making him mad last time, this time he comes into it with more pain to them as opposed to the martial people.
1: Oh, right. Yeah. So that's how he adapts. So this was kit one, what we just designed. And then kit two for this man-at-arms is that... Uh... Let's say the barbarian just rushes straight at him and deals a fuck ton of damage. (laughs) Well, on round two, the man-at-arms is gonna show up with a bottle of wind, and he's just gonna be like, Goodbye, opens the bottle and blows him 60 feet away. <laughs> just blast him. <laughs> like the Jar of Gust, which is in the yeah. Legend of Zelda series.
0: It'd be cool if he changed up his resistances, too. So you just don't ever know. So, like, maybe in this one, he's got um his uh, chest piece or something. Whatever. His leather armor right. is uh enchanted to do, like... Maybe he's got resistance to bludgeoning and slashing weapons or something. martial. Yes. And then he comes back the next time, and it's, like, resistance to fire and ice or something. Like yeah. he just changes them up. If you so have a like,
1: wizard who casts a bunch of fire spells, then he comes back with fire resistant gear. Like he's got a shield of the dragon yeah. slayer, which is fire resistant.
0: Or if he takes a ton of damage from the barbarian who's uh bashing him in, Not only does he have the gust, but now he also has armor on where he has resistances to bludgeoning damage.
1: Yeah, that exactly.
0: You always have an opening still, but it's still like annoying. to. It's like a new enemy every time you fight him.
1: That's what I want, you know. When we've talked about villains in the past, especially on this podcast, we've talked about villains who show up and then run away. That's, for the most part, us saying that those villains are cowardly. Like the puzzle box mastermind that we talked about in the Hub Worlds and Horrors episode. Yeah, That one was cool, and they were distinctly a coward. But this guy, this villain, the man-at-arms, he's actually making a stand. He wants to defeat them, and he will turn and run when the tide goes against him. It's a tactical retreat. He's gonna come back stronger. It's a tactical retreat. Like That's how he's smart, and that's how you can support a bad guy, is that Your bad guys have to be intelligent, okay? There's a distinction between metagaming and intelligence. That's why I use the Helm of Telepathy as the scapegoat for that, which is kind of what bridges the gap. That's an easier way for you to kind of read what your players are gonna do and have your bad guy react. But um, remember your villains are going to be evil masterminds. Your villain might not reveal themselves until the very end of the campaign just because they've been plotting the entire time.
0: Yeah, and I mean, The cool thing about this guy too, in a city setting, like a hub, you know, Mm -hmm. there's probably an adventurer's guild or even just the bar. Adventurers are passing through this town like crazy. He probably can just hang out there and either choose his victims that he's going to go after. (laughs) Maybe he just does his research. Like a lot of the people coming in here are having trouble with the swamp right out town. Like they're coming, they're successfully making it through, but it's giving them trouble. Oh yeah. So maybe he's going to start making ambushes there where the area is already hostile to the people.
1: Yes, I I think him
0: being clever like that would be cool. It's like he just shows up in the middle of a quest where he knows it's gonna be rough because he hears about all this stuff. He's got his intel.
1: He's got the intel, yeah. So he's around at the tavern. I think it would be really cool if we just run into this guy he's very unassuming and the players just kind of take general note of him and then pass on because oh it's a lowly peasant oh it's just a merchant's son you know maybe this kid is just brooding in the back of the bar and the party isn't intimidated by him when they see him in daylight just because he's dressed in his regular commoner slacks he kind of resents the adventurers that come to visit some people say hey you should try to cheer that boy up and then when
0: you go to interact with him he's just like get away from me well i mean it'd be cool too If he was like an anime rival Like he's charismatic and happy and fine with people Until the adventurers try to talk to him Then he's a dick Oh yeah Like he's flirting with the waitress You know And the townsfolk But the second the adventurers walk up He's like Get the fuck out of my way And he like storms away He hates people from outside town Doesn't give him a single Like and you'd notice You'd be like wow that guy's a douchebag Oh yeah You know But everybody else would be like "Oh, I like him Jerry's cool Exactly Right he literally helped my grandma carry her groceries in the house yesterday. You know, like he's, he thinks of himself as a Batman, a good guy,
1: you know, but he, he's not. He's, he's corrupted. Not. He is corrupted by power and everyone in town still adores him by daytime. And they're like, oh, Jerry's fine. I don't see why you shouldn't give him a second chance. But the whole time, Jerry just has it out for you. It'd
0: be funny if he's just an overly big douchebag, too. Like, he's not even hiding it. Like, there's no, (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm just having a bad day. Like, no, he's just just mean to you. He's like, get away from me, you looter, you murderer. There is no talking to him.
1: When you think about it, a lot of the things that adventuring parties do are like uh, traveling vandals, you know? Like adventurers don't pay tax they don't have to protect a town they're only we call them heroes but when we think about all the things that they do grave robbing which is going through a dungeon is kind of a big no-no they do a lot of (laughs) things that are like yikes dude adventurers do a lot of things that are illegitimate when you think about the grander scheme of law or a system of law
0: what's funny because you always think of the party being heroes but 90 percent of the time like What's the rogue doing right now? (laughs) You know? (laughs) What is the rogue doing right (laughs) now? He's stealing or killing somebody. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, that's not a heroic thing to do.
1: Yeah, rogue is always up to no good. And that's not
0: blaming the rogue, I'm just saying it's not black and white it's not
1: black and white you know or your barbarian who just enjoys smashing things you know property damage yeah we gotta control that so I think there's plenty of reasons for Jerry to hate adventurers
0: it'd be cool if he could give them moments too like of times they fucked up like pin stuff like that and then have it you know in one of his cool monologues he can even bring it up Oh like, yeah. i saw you shake down meredith you know or <laughs> whatever i don't know so, like you can't you can't talk your way out of it saying you're a good guy cuz he's been watching
1: yes he has been watching and at that critical moment when he finally adjusts You might catch your players in a bad situation where they've just come out of a dungeon and they're trying to get home to rest in town. And this guy comes across them while they're already partially injured.
0: I was just gonna say that and it'd be cool for his monologue to be like, I heard that people have a hard time here. I'm just here (laughs) to finish you off.
1: You've just come back from the Skull Peaks and I realize that you've been through quite a harrowing journey. I think it's time for your journey to end on these streets. So and then now you gotta unchief. tussle
0: with him, yeah. Yeah, everybody's and, already hurt and your spell slots are spent. Like, th- oh shit.
1: Now this is how you cinch it at the end. When he beats them, if slash when your villain, this man at arms, beats your heroes, he doesn't kill them. He insults them, disgraces them to their face, and he takes a magic item. Yeah, he he's takes just like, it from him. fuck you, your plus three Vorpal sword, it's mine now. And then he's all the more stronger for it the next time you fight him. Yeah, now
0: he's got your item. Now yeah. you
1: have a reason to go after him. That's how you build that relationship.
0: He just keeps taking your shit.
1: Yeah. That'd be cool. Oh, what a menace. I like it because we're not really relying on a monster. The best thing about this villain is that this villain is a person. This villain could be an adventurer like you or me, but no, they have a grander idea for society that they want to enact. Yeah. I find very often that uh, there are other villains that you could try, uh, some examples are, like I said, uh, the Elder Brain of a Mind cult. You could have that, or there is uh, the Spider Cult of Lolth, which is all the drow underneath the ground. There's plenty of monster bad guys that do work, But with all of these villains who are not human, remember, you have to give them human traits, like uh, the beholder, you know that creature? Well, the only beholder of note that I can really come up with right now is uh, Xanathar, who's the kingpin of Waterdeep. And the crazy thing about Xanathar is that he's a collector, but a lot of the things he collects, he doesn't really know what they are or what they do. Yeah, a like little
0: mermaid vibe.
1: Yeah, he's kind of got like a bits and bobbles thing, and he amasses power around himself just because he collects so many items. With. His prize being being a normal goldfish, and if anything happens to his goldfish, he's going to go berserk on yeah, your it's gonna ass. going to go nuts. Like, he's a really powerful beholder, and I think that the human idea behind him is that he has a common goal. He runs a thieves' guild, and he collects items, yeah. similar to what this bad guy is. You don't have to have an item collecting bad guy. You can have some religious zealot who's on a quest to cleanse the earth of uh, witchcraft. That's just me spitballing here. But whatever your motive is, remember that these are human bad guys and they have a very human motive behind what they're trying to do.
0: You have to be able to understand their motivation. You don't have to agree with it, but you have to be able to get it. Yeah, right. You know, otherwise it's like, I don't know what's going on. Why is he even a bad guy? Why is this guy even a bad guy? He's just just here now. (laughs) It's so easy to just throw away bad
1: guys, you know? That's kind of what you leave goblins and ogres and stuff for. Those are the things that you just want to throw under the rug, and that's fine and all.
0: The cool thing with this guy is in the final confrontation, you're not going to be able to convince him that you're a good guy, but what if you try to convince him that he, himself, became an adventurer through hating adventurers. (laughs) I mean, he's going through dungeons collecting items, you know, and bringing them back. He literally became the thing he hates. That's how you flip it on its head. (laughs) So
1: you beat Jerry, the man at arms. If you defeat him, then you just tell him, you've become the thing that you've hated most. And then he goes,
0: no! No! (laughs) (laughs) That would be so awesome.
1: That would be crazy, actually. (laughs) What a Chad. Jerry's cool. I think he's cool. Poor Jeffrey Stone. If
0: only he knew what his son was up to. <laughs> he probably doesn't want to know. <laughs> he doesn't want to know. My kid comes home covered in blood. like, <laughs> 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 nobody's come knocking yet. You know? <laughs> I just hope the guard doesn't catch wind of this. <laughs> he's like, yeah, but the dad's probably making so much money off of the shop, too. You
1: know? <laughs> That's probably how, you know. He doesn't,
0: I mean, are the guards going to believe he was innocent in the whole thing? So he probably just goes with it. Yeah, right.
1: Like, <laughs> Making money. They make so much money that his dad can pay off the guards underneath the table. Just look the other way. It doesn't matter that these people have been attacked in a park nearby. Just don't bother my shop and I'll keep giving you guys gold on the side. Yeah. Just because gold is way too valuable in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition where, like, the average peasants makes one gold piece a month. Yeah. So these guards, you could bribe a guard with 50 gold pieces a month. They'd be living it. They would be living it. Those (laughs) guards would be like, holy shit, this is an amazing deal. Yeah. You know? That's how... Yeah, I think we hit all the check marks on this one, where this character starts as a nobody. They are rich and powerful because they collect and trade magic items. They're imposing because they adapt. I like this adaptable character. So we said that the son of the magic item seller, he was kind of like a young and troubled individual right
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah. and everyone in town loves him a lot right yeah okay
0: i think in town like we were saying people like him he's a good guy he's a douchebag to the adventures you know brooding but mm-hmm. when he's in a man-at-arms costume i picture him being like very boisterous yeah he's probably very boisterous and confident you know like i can beat anybody
1: Oh, dude, the, he's gotta be like, that's how we have the personality split, is that he's he's very boisterous and he maybe announces his name when he shows up. Oh, that'd be funny. <laughs> like, that's how your players will, they're gonna laugh at first and be like, what?
0: You have no fear in his eye. Man at arms. <laughs> Takes, Takes the shit out of <laughs> Give me all your loot and I might let you live this night. It'd be funny. They interrupt him and he just gets pissed. He's like, you're supposed to let me tell my monologue. Oh, yeah. Like, they always interrupt the speech. He just starts <laughs> stabbing him. like. Yeah, if you
1: fuck with his monologue, <laughs> then he's just coming after you. That's enraged.
0: Dude, it, that'd be funny. They think it's an open dialogue. So somebody like interjects and he just <laughs> charges him. He doesn't even finish his sentence. He's like, fuck you. Yeah, that's a weakness <laughs> to be exploited. He, that's, he just gets mad.
1: Correct. Yeah. He has a big ego about his alternate personality. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how you fuck with. That's how you create a weakness or a weak point for your players yeah. to attack. Just
0: start heavily talking shit to him. And he's probably going to start breaking down. Oh,
1: yeah, definitely. Making
0: mistakes. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely making mistakes. This is not a cool-headed
0: guy because he doesn't have the experience. He's just young, strong, well, I and I feel got like you access. can manipulate him, too. Because if he's so uh, confident that he's going to kick your ass you know, with all of his shit, maybe you can get him to drop one of them. You can't beat me without that helmet, can you? Right, you know? that He's like, too. I can beat you without any of it. And he tosses the helmet off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Everyone picks up his items. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like,
0: in uh, the middle of combat, the rogue grabs the item and dips. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> everybody run, I got it. I would allow you know, that for the first encounter. I was going to
0: say a Thanos moment where they're trying to get his glove off. And he's yeah. Like, Fuck off. <laughs> <up." Like, laughs>
1: oh, dude. By the final fight with this guy, he has to have a Thanos card, <laughs> yeah, right? Might
0: as well. This dude's gonna rock the world. <laughs> Made his own infinity
1: stones. <laughs> <laughs> I've collected all the MacGuffins around this land, and there's no way you'll defeat me, Horus and Rogar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dude, that would be intense. We'd have to kill him now. <laughs> like.
1: Dude, burst damage right off the bat. Just go, go, go. I would take Warcaster just to have advantage on my initiative, Dude, you know?
0: <laughs> he's going down right now. Like, oh, that'd be sick. So anyways,
1: I started blasting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> for real. Turn into a bear. Uh, <laughs> like, the second you start hearing him in the background, like, after the third encounter, it's just start fighting. Just like, to go. <laughs> just go. Don't give
1: him time for the monologue. Just take <laughs> him down. <laughs> So I think that's great. That's a good way to wrap up our villain is that we come back to the beginning, which is after we defeat him, we kind of realize, could we possibly be villains ourselves with the way that we adventure? Yeah.
0: I think think that'd be a cool wrap up. Especially if at the beginning of the campaign, one of the player's actions did cause that dramatic moment that turned him into this way in the first place. Right, He could recount on that.
1: Exploit your players for being uh, malicious.
0: It'll teach them a lesson too. Like there's consequences.
1: Oh yeah, you could build your whole story plot off of that. If some rogue just wants to mess around, then you're gonna be like, hold on. You I'm lost gonna... like
0: four items in this adventure because you fucked with that guy. Like...
1: <laughs> you built a bad relationship with Howdy, <laughs> so I'm going to have to let this villain brood and scheme and develop his own nefarious plans for the future. High Knights are going to have to rise up and take him on. So thank you again for visiting us once more. This has been Ross
0: and Dakota. Yeah, have a good night. See you around. Oh, oh,